Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance as we are venturing through the Gospel of Luke in chapter 21 today. And chapter 21 is such a blessed chapter. We are getting close to the end of the Gospel of Luke. And man, what a blessing it's been. What a joy it's been to see some some of the most profound wisdom that we could ever hear from the words of our Lord and Savior. To see some of the most amazing miracles recorded from a medical standpoint from the physician of the group, the Apostle Luke who was the, a, a doctor physician who recorded uh, everything everything he could from our lord the the physical healings and the uh, the miracles of of the healings of leprosy and death and so on and so forth and and so we're going to see again we're going to see just such an amazing chapter in chapter 21 i'm actually very excited about this one this one uh really spoke some volumes and Whenever there's a, a, a revealing to come, you're getting little increments of things here and there. And if you've read a good book before, you, you're, you know what I'm talking about. But we're not just reading a good book. We're reading the Word of God. We're reading the best thing that was ever written to us. And so we're, we're looking at the, the things to come. That as the Lord knows, He's getting closer to the end of His days. He gives us some things that are just going to be, again, the most powerful exhorting that we've ever heard. And so in, in chapter 20, we looked at some interesting things again, where Jesus' authority was questioned by the scribes, the Pharisees, and the uh, Sadducees at this time. Normally we've seen the opposition from uh, the Pharisees, which were the which were the law-abiding, law-teaching Judaizers of the, of the uh, Jewish religion. They were the ones basically keeping the laws and making sure that everything was being followed to a T. And yet they would come together to uh, to question the Lord when he taught. They would come together to question him when he healed somebody, especially that was done on the Sabbath. And, and so this time he had opposition from basically from what looked like all three organized parts of the Jewish religion. You had the Sadducees who were the caretakers of the temple. And yet they had a different belief system from the Pharisees. The, the, the Sadducees didn't even believe in an afterlife where the Pharisees did. And yet, the, so the Sadducees came together to question the Lord. The Pharisees questioned the Lord. And then you have the scribes, who the scribes were the ones who basically kept uh, the records and the writings of all of the Torah and the laws and so on and so forth. They even had a different outlook on things. But yet they were powerful in their own way. And, and so we've seen them come together in order to basically put a monkey wrench in the wheel of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus and what he was teaching and what he was coming to do. But it didn't work as always. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord always knew what they were up to. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were going to do. But he, you know, he humored them. He answered their questions because they had to be taught just like anybody else. If they are the teachers of Israel, if they were the, if they were the leaders of Israel... And, and and doing wrong, then they were leading people astray. So thank God for the presence of Christ. Thank God for the teaching of Christ. Thank God for His Word that we have today, that we can see that that nothing has changed, that His Word doesn't change. We change at times, but He doesn't. And if we are to change, we're called to make the change for the better in leading and being led to Him and leading others to Him. But, you know, we went from his, his authority being questioned 
to him setting them straight. But we're going to see some examples here today. We're going to see some examples of what to be, once again, in the form of our service to him, of our worship to him. But he also gives us some insight of some things to come, which at times people don't always like to hear. I've preached a sermon years ago, which you could see on the website, which was called Prophecy Matters. And Christ gives us prophecy. It does matter because if we didn't have prophecy, we wouldn't know he was telling the truth. And and so we know he was telling the truth because the prophecies he came has already, a lot of it has already come. And there's more to come. So yes, we believe exactly what he says and we're preparing ourselves for what's to come. But we can't prepare ourselves unless we are knowledgeable of what it is he's telling us to do. So let's go ahead and take that step together today as we venture into chapter 21. And I'm going to be starting off in verse 1 through 6. Check it out. It says, And he looked up, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood she had. And then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So I want to start where Jesus and the disciples, they just happened to be in the temple courts at this time. And they witnessed a widow giving her gift or her tithe in the offering box. And Jesus was pointing out this poor widow in astonishment and recognition in her faith. You know, there was wealthy people putting in their gifts as well, and, and God blessed them for that. But you see, something stood out. There was two things that stood out beyond that of the bigger gifts given by the wealthy ones in line. It was The two things was first her heart, number one, and then second was her faith. See, there were people who were poor. And then there were people who were even poorer in poverty. And, and those were typically widows. They, why? Because they, they had no means of providing for themselves. And if their husbands were normal middle class citizens that left them little to nothing, they were normally in dire straits. Uh, the wealthy giving uh, big gifts is great, but common. Uh, the poor widow giving all she had was above and beyond any well-known philanthropist in the eyes of the Lord. And, and giving to an organization is fine, but once you're gone and, and once someone else outgives what the philanthropist gave, they will be there will be a second thought to the organization. But you see, this action was documented in the Word of God as something that was pleasing to one who all should worry about pleasing in Christ. And as I've been in ministry for many years, I have seen and I've actually been inside of many hospitals for hospital visitations and prayer. And I've also been there for a couple of deaths. The hospitals, they have pictures on their walls of the people who have who've given their own money to donate over the years. And at times it shows how much they have donated. But what's interesting was, is I have never seen anyone stop to recognize these gift givers. All they do is they just pass on by. Now, Jesus makes known the importance of the widow's heart and then makes known the irrelevance of the temple and its exterior beauty. The widow's act was remembered for all time. The temple would be an afterthought. This was the second temple because the first one built by Solomon was more extravagant due to the funds and the materials. 
but it was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of, of Babylon. The temple was rebuilt years later, but it would be destroyed again in 70 AD by the Romans, which Christ just prophesied. And I've said in the past that anyone, anyone can destroy something that cost millions of dollars and, and something that took years to build for just a few dollars. And with a few dollars, it would amount to, let's say, a gallon of gasoline with one match. <laughs> but an act of love and giving to God will never perish. The, the temple was big, it was beautiful, but the act of the widow was huge and glorious in the eyes of Christ. Because there was no self-glorification. There was no attention on her part. The, the two mites that she gave had the net worth of some breadcrumbs in the early currency of these times. And I, I'm sure that there was a sense of humility from the widow as she, as she was around the wealthy givers were, were in her eye view, but little, little did she know that the, the eye of the Lord seen not just what she gave, but he actually seen her heart and her faith was seen as it was pointed out as an example to the disciples. That's something she didn't know. Because he doesn't look at quantity, he looks at quality first. The Lord displayed that when he told the rich young ruler to sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow him. We know that because he said that to a rich young ruler who was making claims that he's followed all the rules and laws. So Jesus tested him and said, well, that's great. Well, go ahead and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. What did he do? He walked away in sorrow. Now let's see what he has to say in, in verses 7 through 19 as it starts to get a little heavier here. <laughs> so they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And therefore do not go after them. And then the time is drawn near. But when, when you hear of wars and co uh, commotions, do not be terrified for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. And then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom of against kingdom. And there will be a great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences. And there will be uh, fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But there... Before all these things, they, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist." You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hate, hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience possesses your soul. The Lord had no problem giving them signs to look at. But, for, uh, but dates were never given. You know, people have predicted dates of end time prophecies and all sorts of things for years, and, and they've never produced. But you see, everything, everything he said has come into our existence in Christ Jesus. As Luke records his gospel, he also recorded the things of Christ, the things that Christ said would come in the book of Acts. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So the things that the Lord was talking about was produced during that time shortly after. 
and persecutions and other things. But even today, we have 2,000 years later, we see it today, some years back, that it was on the internet, that a man from Australia, and he actually has a girlfriend who are claiming to be the reincarnation of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and I'll never forget it, because I've seen it. There was about 20 followers, which actually makes 20 too many. But within years, there has been hundreds that became a part of his group called uh, the Divine Truth Movement. And he, he used to be an elder in the Jehovah Witness Church, and he was a computer systems engineer as his career. And now he is the Messiah to a large group of people who brought pot property to be close to him in Australia. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I, I have an uncle. <laughs> I have an uncle who always wanted to be a police officer. And this was back in the earlier, mid-1970s. And he found out that he didn't meet certain physical requirements. So he decided to take it upon himself to become a cop. He bought a uniform. He modified a badge out of a toy badge. And had he actually had the equipment, uh, radios and uh, miscellaneous other equipment. And um, for two years he did this. For two years he would patrol and show up to calls. And he would pull people over and whatever have you until he got caught. And, and, then, and then arrested for impersonating a police officer. We look back at it and laugh. And, and we hear some of the stories but this, this, this story in Australia, amongst others, this is no laughing matter. It's no laughing matter in Australia or anywhere else this is happening. Because the punishment will be severe. See, the Lord already came in humble form, and he lived for 33 years. He died, he rose again, and then he departed to heaven 40 days later. But he is coming back in a whole different form upon a white horse. And you can see it yourself in the book of Revelation. And I, I myself can't wait to be teaching it if the Lord hasn't come back by then. But he says to take heed that you do not be deceived from the words of the true Messiah who proved his messianic existence. But be prepared, he says. And that's what he's doing was preparing the, the disciples for the equipping and the evangelizing of the saints and the rest of the world. See, I can remember hearing this message from 20 years ago or more. And right now we're in May of 2018. And with all of the things that we are seeing in wars and natural disasters and other things that, that we're seeing around the world. And if he doesn't come back in another 20 years from now, I myself as a witness of the decline in the world have to wonder how much worse than now will it get. You see, 20 years ago, people were complaining, well, get a load of today and wonder where the good times have gone, right? But whatever the circumstance, we are instructed to stay the course. Because whether you are a persecutor or you are the persecuted, there is one thing we have in common, and that's a death. We all have death coming one day in our life. But each side, see, each side will meet the ultimate judge. And my judge, uh, who I serve, doesn't retire. My judge, who I serve, doesn't wear a black and white uh, robe, nor does his robe come off at the end of the day. He's dressed in white, he is just, he is holy, and he makes no bad or wrong decisions. And he will not be replaced by another judge by public vote. And that's something we must remember and keep in mind here at all times. Now, as we observe verse 20 to 28, he, he continues to give more as he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. 
Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of, of her depart. And let, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and in the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's heart failing from them and fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on, those, uh, on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Now, when we look at the, uh, the times of the Gentiles, it goes back to about, I'd say about 580 BC when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. And the temple, back in that day of Nebuchadnezzar, it became subject to Gentile rule. They were no longer an independent nation. Babylon became over them. Eventually Persia would conquer Babylon and, and be over Israel. And then the Roman government came in and took over for a long time. And then they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple again in 70 AD. It would all continue until God said that it was, it was to stop. And again, never was there a date given, but a promise was given. And we got to see a lot of that through history thus far. It's amazing that Jerusalem and Israel has been attacked more times than any one place. And in fact, it was found in research that, it, that it has, it's been attacked over 150 times, 150 attacks since its beginning as a city. Yet God has preserved and promised its continual existence. You know, we as people can take problems and situations and we could put them into three labels. And those three labels could be looked at as minor problems. We could look at them as serious problems. And then there's impossible problems. But God has no labels on them because nothing's impossible with God on fixing an issue. We find comfort in association with certain people of power or financial security. That, that we do everything possible to maintain that friendship with them for the sake of our own well-being. Yet they themselves are limited. Limited in resources, limited in liability or ability, limited by health, okay, limited in integrity, more than anything, limited in trust because of sin nature and the love for the things that perish. Yet God does not perish, nor is he limited in anything, because Jesus made known that not even a bird falls from the sky without the Father's knowing or approval. And sometimes when I'm driving and I see some birds on a wire together, I think about how that one bird will go and realize that it's in the day that God says it's time is up for that bird. Because the picture being painted here can look gloomy to the eyes of certain people. But when you go to an art museum and you analyze a painting and give the opinions of what it is, and you're standing next to someone hearing these opinions... And then you come in and explain what it really is. And then they look at you with sarcasm and they, arrogant, they arrogantly ask you, well, how do you know what it means then? Because I have a degree in art appreciation and art history. 
And with assurance and ease, you can say that, well, my father just happens to be the artist. <laughs> you know, Noah and his family was the first on earth to see a natural disaster and to live to see the very first rainbow on earth as a sign that God would never flood the earth again. Why? Well, that's simple because he was personally related to the one controlling the weather and the atmosphere. And that being God himself, who loved, who, who uh, he loved and obeyed God more than anyone else who denied God and his love and his existence. That's why Noah and his family survived the flood. And see, and those who are of the Lord will be able to look at the scripture without fear. Because like Noah, they will able, they will be able to see that after every storm comes the sun. And, and we see it as the time that's near, near the return of the Lord when he comes back down to earth. But these disasters have to happen first. And this will be a true test of belief. After all, uh, with many it seems that an atheist is no longer an atheist when they're in a foxhole. But the harder part of it is, but an atheist is no longer an atheist when they die because they will meet the one who created them. Just not in the way that they'd like. And, and, and that's the, the, the scariest part of the whole thing is that we want to be able to meet God, but we want to be able to meet him as father. Not as, not as one we didn't believe in. Trust me in that. 29 to 38 it says, Then he spoke to them a parable. And he says, look, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already uh, budding and you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, uh, lest your hearts be weighed down with caressing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day will come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple. But at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. I noticed on many occasions how the Lord said to take heed. And nothing is worse than being blindsided, especially when you have dedicated yourself to being a watchman of things in your personal life. You know, many people are watching their stocks every few minutes. They're watching their spouse or their children. Farmers are watching the crops to produce growth. And when my my older son was smaller, I planted a vegetable garden in the backyard with him. And uh, when he would come home from school, the first thing he would do is he would go in the backyard to check on the garden to see what's coming up. And he would ask why the majority grew while others didn't. I explained that the garden is like us. If we're not planted in good soil, if we're not being watered and exposed to light, then we will wither. And the ones that didn't make it, well, only God can make it grow. But some things in a garden don't always take enough water, and at times some things are being hidden from the light. And I did everything possible. But some in the garden just didn't take while others did. 
And we are all called to be watching. And we should be preparing ourselves for either the Lord's return or for us coming to Him when our time is up. And when we look at the word for leadership in the Greek language of the New Testament, it is explained in that of a navigator. Like one standing on the front of a ship with binoculars to see what's ahead for safe travel. And I've said before, and I'll say again, that there's two types of leaders in the world. There's good leaders and there's bad leaders. Okay, the best ones were always the ones that were led uh, by the Lord first. And then the bad ones did whatever they wanted because they could. Uh, The bad leaders operated strictly on their title, while the good ones operated from the function and movement giving them their title of a good leader by the function and movement of the Holy Spirit. You see, observe what the Lord said once again in verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man being Christ Jesus. These were directions and orders from heaven's headquarters. And the key to the results in their lives can be seen in verse 37 and 38. That in the day Jesus was teaching in the temple, and at night he would stay on uh, on the Mount of Olives. And then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. See, we may not have been there 2,000 years ago. But he is here with us now. And he's giving us the same benefit through his word and through prayer as we get uh, to benefit as those did 2,000 years ago. And if you're asking yourself, well, how do I become worthy, as he said in verse 36? Well, it's like the comment I made about the art piece in the museum. You get to say that my father was the artist who painted the picture, and and that I can elaborate uh, that picture to the crowds and to the critics. You can say that the the sculpted masterpiece over over there in the corner uh, there that I I got to hold the hand of the one who sculpted that masterpiece because he is my father who has sculpted me and is continuing the work. See, my greatest honor is that I get to say that I've held the nail-pierced hand of the one who willingly died so I can go to eternal place in which he built with his hands. Why? Because he said to his disciples, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Because in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. But now the question is, is are you willing? And do you want to be able to say that you get to hold his hand because now you're his child? Well, if you want that... There's an adoption process that's free of charge. And it's through a simple prayer of faith and through a simple prayer of acceptance. I want to give you that option if you feel led. Because if you feel the, if you feel the need to come to him, that is the Holy Spirit right then and there saying, I want you and it's time. Don't let it go because tomorrow is never guaranteed. I want to give you right now the opportunity, if you feel led to say the prayer, repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to receive me, Lord, to cleanse me of all of my sins. Lord, bring me into your kingdom when my time is up, Lord. As I now have received you as my Father, my Lord, 
in my Savior. I thank you for dying for me, Lord, on that cross. I thank you for giving me a place with you in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you always for that. God bless you for the choice that you've made, the wisest and greatest choice that you have ever made, in that of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, you know, I, I've said for a long time that there's a, there's a lot of family members out there that I'm related to through the blood of Jesus. And I cannot wait to be able to meet all of you one day, whether here on earth or even more so in His glory. Uh, I've seen shirts and other things that say, you know, I can fix anything with duct tape and WD-40. But our Lord fixed all things with two pieces of wood and three nails. Because remember the cross. And remember the three words he said up there, that it is finished. It was translated by his actions, which another three words that he demonstrated, which is those three words is, I love you. So may God bless you and keep you. And may he keep you on a good long walk with him throughout your life. May God bless you and watch over you.